0: receiving and we're giving the kingdom of God This is a constant flow for us as we receive what God has, receiving the kingdom of God in our lives. We're going to look at what that means, and then we're giving the kingdom of God away. And so this morning, all that we're talking about, all that we're coming down to is then how do we, and in what ways are we receiving the kingdom of God? What's that doing to us internally? And then how then are we giving that away to the people around us? I want that to be forefront in our focus this morning because we can get lost in some of the details of what is the kingdom and where is the kingdom and how does all this work. Um, And really when it comes down to it, it's receiving the kingdom of God and then giving that away. And As I was preparing for this message this weekend, uh, I was uh, confronted again with a truth that is is real for us, and uh, probably one that we, as I say it, it's like, yeah, I know that, like that's true. But like it was true again in my spirit and true again in my mind as um, I was contemplating this, and even in some regards, and I say this so that we don't uh, end up in this space, some regards feeling the pressure of growing God's kingdom, right? Kind of feeling the pressure of you've got to be the one that makes his kingdom go into the world and go into your homes and like get it out there. The pressure's on you, church, like build the kingdom of God. And as I was wrestling with this and going, why is this such like a thing in my spirit? I realized, oh, it's not me building the kingdom. You're like, yeah, duh, but it's not us building the kingdom it's not even us building the church it's us receiving that's what we get to do receiving the kingdom he then builds it he then is taking it out across uh the the, our, our nation across our neighborhoods and across our whole world and so i want us to continue to remind ourselves just here in the very beginning we're receiving the kingdom of god for it to go forward. Our job, what we get to do, is receive it and then make disciples. Growing daily in intimacy with God and in Christian community, that's discipleship making for us at Sun Hills. And so we're receiving the kingdom of God. So I say that as because we're walking into, we're going to go into a passage here where Jesus is proclaiming this truth. We've been going through the book of Mark and now we come to the space. uh, John talked about the coming of the kingdom and then we saw the spirit coming down last week as part of this inauguration of Jesus and the kingdom. And now Jesus himself is going to proclaim this very kingdom for those who are listening. And where he does it and how he does it is important. And so we're going to, read the passage together, and then we're going to talk through it a little bit. Verse 14. Now, this is Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. So the time, the setting is now after John was arrested. Doesn't give a lot of context there, Mark. He doesn't give a whole lot of background and why was he arrested and who arrested him and where was that and how that all happened. And and, and intentionally so, because Mark wants to get to the, the focus of Jesus's message and not take the reader's attention away. And so we won't do that either this morning. So if you wanna read more, go to Matthew and read why John was arrested. But this was the timing, kind of a timestamp for us. After he was arrested, Jesus then came into Galilee, which was a long ways from where uh John was doing the baptizing. And so outside the city uh, by the place called Bethany outside of the Jordan, um, they would come from Jerusalem, or maybe a couple hour walk or a couple day walk, depending. And they would come from uh, Jerusalem and they'd be baptized. And now way north of that... We're in Galilee, and Jesus is not making the people come out to the river to hear the message. Jesus is bringing the message. He came into Galilee to bring this message to the people. Not only was he bringing it to the people, he was bringing it to his hometown. Just kind of like exploratory with me for a second here on this passage, like as we look at this. Someone coming to proclaim that they are the kingdom of God here... They went to their own hometown like imagine that's where the people are that knew him that grew up with him that like understood Jesus and yeah he was a boy and he kind of came through the ranks and he was in the temple and he kind of the stories we know and then a lot of the stories that we don't have any record of but like they knew Jesus which I think was an interesting place for him to start his ministry he didn't go to some kind of outside weird area where no one knew where he was let's just test this out and see how this the kingdom of God is at hand like how do you, okay, that's good. Yeah, let's try it over here. Like, he didn't go test it somewhere. He went into his home city, the people that knew him, where he's going to gather disciples or people that knew him from that, that context, and he, and he starts proclaiming it to them. I just think from a uh, historical point of view, looking at the way Jesus did this is compelling for us, and the way that he proclaims his own deity, uh, and he pro- proclaims the, uh, the kingdom of God in this space. And so, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Twice that word is used here. We've talked about it before. Good news, right? You Euangelion. Proclaiming the gospel of God. And so he said, here's the gospel. It's much shorter than maybe we think. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then the response Repent and believe the gospel, which is the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the whole message. That's the whole piece of it. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so that's where I want to spend the majority of our time this morning is looking at that phrase, the kingdom of God. And what does it mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. And so to do that, I want us to get ourselves into kind of the mind of a Jewish listener, someone who'd hear this from a Jewish perspective, because they're going to hear the kingdom of God is at hand and they're going to get really excited. But we hear it and we might hear it from like the tone of a street preacher, you know, like the kingdom of God is at return, like repent, right? We kind of hear it with that tone. It doesn't feel very nice. Or we see it like hanging on like an overpass billboard type thing, the kingdom of God, repent, right? And we read it with a tone that is not joyful. We read it from a tone that is con- uh, condemning maybe It maybe like turns us inside. We don't like it, maybe embarrassing. I don't know however you feel towards that phrasing. But when the Jewish person heard it. They got excited. And if they're getting excited and I'm not, there's a reason. And I need to readjust my thinking around how, why did they get excited when they heard this big announcement of the kingdom of God is at hand? Maybe you don't have any feeling towards it at all. It's like, the kingdom of God. Cool. Next. Right? Like there's no emotion. Okay. Great. So let's try to understand why the Jewish person would be so excited. And to do that, I want us to uh, transport a little bit back to the beginning. This is where it always starts for us, is back to the beginning, back in Genesis, where the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven were one one place. They coexisted. There wasn't a a distinction or a split between kingdom of earth and kingdom of heaven. They both existed in one space. As God was united with his creation and humanity, they were working together in the garden. He was walking with them in the cool of the evening. There was community and companionship there between the two of them. There was one, the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven was one thing. And then after the fall entered the world, there was a split between these two kingdoms. And they couldn't exist in the same space any longer. Now, over time, God began to create and make ways that these two kingdoms could overlap. And through some of the temple sacrifice and sacrifice of animals, you see that through covenant he makes with Abraham and, and Moses. And, and then uh, on on through the new, or the Old Testament, he's creating spaces for these two kingdoms to kind of come in between and come and, and uh, meet in a space where they are both overlapping. And the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of earth are able to be uh, integrated again in small ways. But the whole story of scripture from that beginning point where they split is God saying, I'm going to reunite these again. One day, what we feel, that tension between the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven, one day I'm going to bring those back together again. And we're going to reunite them. And it's going to be one. This is what gets people excited. And this has always been the plan of Scripture. This is what his whole goal is as he walks everyone through. And he brings the whole Israelites into the desert. And he says, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You are going to live out the promises uh, of God. You're going to live out the community of what God has with people. They're going to see your life. And they're going to be excited because that's a kingdom that they want to be part of. He sets up the kingdom of David And through the way that David rules with love and compassion and care and righteousness and justice and all these things that David does, they go, man, this is a king I want to be under. This is a kingdom I want to be part of. So the kingdom of heaven, it opposes another kingdom, which is the kingdom of earth. But I want to like... Demonize and evil, Eva, eyes, or however you want to say that word, right? Like I don't want to make the kingdom of earth like this negative, like like horrible, evil place to be, because I think that's a false dichotomy for us. Is is that it opposes this other kingdom, the kingdom of earth, but um, the, what it opposes is the striving. That's in the kingdom of earth. It opposes the, the empty promises that the kingdom of earth uh, uh, gives to us. And so a few weeks ago when we started all of this, I asked us a question that I, I, I encourage us to wrestle with, to take some time and really begin to like try to understand it and, and let it be um, uncomfortable and, and weird for you to kind of ask the question of what is good news about the kingdom of God? Or what is the good news that the kingdom of God is now here? That was the question I wanted us to wrestle with. And I hope that you have taken time to do that in your own spirit and then with your community around you asking the question, what is the good news the kingdom is here? Because I set it up against the kingdom of earth that, uh, or at least the Roman kingdom, that Mark is writing to. So a quick review. Mark was writing to uh, Christians in Rome, and in that time they had peace and prosperity, and they had wealth, and they had uh, entertainment and advanced medicine and education and freedoms and comfort. It sounds a lot like our kingdom. Sounds like, and I'm not just trying to like make those two things mix. That's the way this world works, that's what we see as like the best kingdom uh, on earth is all of these things. And so I kind of set this up and said, well, if we have all these things, then what's good about the kingdom of God now here that really, if we're gonna say it opposes it, then what's good about the kingdom of God here with us now? I mean, the reality is that what the kingdom of earth gives us some pretty neat, nice things, right? Like amazing places to visit, views to see, and waterfalls and mountains and rivers and, and trees and forests and amazing things. There's, there's uh, people, there's funny people, there's comedians we get to listen to and like they bring stuff out of us and laugh. There's poetry and there's paintings and there's all kinds of art. There's amazing food and drink in this world. There's Netflix and binge watching, right? Like the great British baking show. There's just like, yeah, right? There's okay. So there's someone, uh, there's like great stuff, right? Like why would we pit this kingdom of heaven against kingdom of earth and be like, the kingdom of heaven is good. Everything on earth is bad. I think if we do it like that, we're going to be disappointed. Because we're going to then try to like shun everything of earth and say, it's all wrong. Let's just kind of go to the desert and uh, get away from it all so that we can enjoy the kingdom of God. And I don't think, I know that that's not what he's asked us to do. That's not how he's even positioned us in this world is to retreat from everything. The difference is how we achieve the things that the kingdom of earth is offering wealth and prosperity, entertainment and education and freedom and comfort. How we go about striving and, and worrying and stressing and, and fighting over and, and, and uh, trying to get our hands on these elements of the kingdom of earth versus how God does it with grace and mercy and justice and freedom, and peace, and love, right? All these things, the way that God brings us to the same realities of these good things, but he brings us there in a way that's far more sustainable rather than the striving after, chasing after, constant go, go, go hustle of achieving the kingdom of earth. God is saying, rest in me, delight in me, Make first my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you, right? These kinds of things, like here, I want to give this to you, but it starts with rest in me. And then even the differences are not just how we go after them and achieve them, but it's what they offer or deliver in return. The promises of the of the kingdom of earth are like way up here. You know, it, it's, well, I'm going to give you all these things once you have the prosperity you're looking for. Once we have the comfort that we need and the padding kind of around us, however that looks for each of us. Once we have that safety or freedom or whatever it is you're going to be good. And the reality is it under delivers, right? It over promises these big things that everything's going to be okay and it under delivers. But the kingdom of heaven is God saying, I'm actually going to give you what I've promised you. When I say security, I don't mean you're going to be free from any hurt or pain. I'm going to walk you through it. When I say I'm going to give you wealth, that doesn't mean I'm going to give you riches necessarily, but I'm going to give you a generosity that all things are yours in Christ, not just the things that you earn. You have access to all of who God is. This is the difference between this kingdom of heaven and kingdom of earth. Not that they're in conflict this way, but they're going to be coexisting one day. And God wants us to striving after this kingdom of heaven that he's offering to us. These things are amazing on the kingdom of earth. We should enjoy them and enjoy what it offers. But they are merely shadows of what's to come. They're the smell of your neighbor's barbecue when you get home and hope that that's your barbecue and then you walk home and it's not. Like, it's the smell of the meal that's coming. Uh, It's the reflection of God's goodness breaking into this world, inviting us into something even greater. It's the aroma. The kingdom of earth is the aroma of the feast that will never fill your belly. But God's kingdom is that feast. And so that was so exciting to the Jewish listener as Jesus comes on the scene and says, it's here now. The kingdom of God is here now. I'm reuniting you, not just heaven and earth. I'm reuniting you with the king. I'm reuniting the people of the kingdom with the king. This is the plan. This is what God wants us to do is reconnect our original identity, which is sons and daughters of the king, union with God in his kingdom. It's not just the stuff we get. It's the relationship with the king that he's offering as he says, it's time. It's time the kingdom of heaven is here and you get to be reunited again in the person and the work of Jesus. So let's look at this king that we're being reunited back towards. There's a passage in Exodus, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. You'll know it when I start to read it, most likely. It comes in the, or or if you start reading it. It comes in the uh, context of Moses on a mountain talking with God, saying, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. And so God responds with this description of himself. And what's great about this passage is it is a full description of who God is as he defines himself. But beyond that, it is the most quoted passage of scripture by the Bible in part or in full. So any Bible passage that's quoted by the Bible, this one is quoted most often throughout Scripture. It's an important passage for who we are and as we identify with, and it's what the king is like. And so he responds to Moses' question with this statement, Yahweh the Lord, or the Lord the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow Anger. Just pause there for a second. Who doesn't need compassion right now? Not ask you to raise your hand. I mean, just man, we need compassion. Maybe for our own spirit and what we're going through, and someone just to say, I get it, and I have compassion for you. Maybe it's the outward projection of compassion. I want to have compassion for the people around me. I'm being irritated by the situation around me, the neighbors around me, the people in my life. I need compassion. This is the king of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm going slow through this because it's not just what our king looks like. This is what our king is doing in us as well. We'll we'll get there and we talk about the kingdom in us, but this is what the king is doing in us as he's filling us with himself and his kingdom, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing or steadfast love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, and rebellion, and sin. Praise God. I mean, I forgive iniquity, and rebellion, and sin. Great, because my life is filled with that. My heart is filled with that, of wanting to push away, and be my own person, and reject it. And he says, I'm forgiving it. I'm filled, filled with unfailing love, and faithfulness. For you, but I don't excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. We read that last sentence, we're like, come on, God, like. Why you got to be so mean? You know, like, why do you got to say that at the end? And our mind really does focus on that part. Like we, we read it and it's like, ah, could we just have left that part out. It was going so well until we get to that second half of verse seven there. But like, it's super, not just is it important for the character and nature of who God is, but it's also really revealing of what we see and what we read, like kind of what we hang on to. Uh, so yes, uh, the, the reality is that, um, when he does not excuse the guilty and the sins of parents go on their great-grandchildren, right? And the choices that great-grandma and great-grandpa make have effects on their great-grandchildren. That's true. And uh, not only is it like natural consequences that we see through life, this is what God is saying is going to happen in our families as we begin to see these generations one after another. And generational sin is real. We see that happening. But it goes to the third generation. Did, you, did we miss the beginning part of verse seven? I lavish steadfast love to a thousand generations. Oh, come on. Three to a thousand. I give steadfast love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquities and rebellion and sin. And then when I do show up injustice. It is visited to the third and fourth generation. What a king that we serve. This is who is filling us with his kingdom. One who acts and believes and responds and loves to us like this. So Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Receive the kingdom. This is what he's calling us to do. Jewish people were really concerned with the question. You can see this in the New Testament and a bunch in the old too. They were really concerned with the question of, how do I get into the kingdom? Like, what, what actions do I have to do? What's the thing I need to do to get into the kingdom? And people came and asked him that. And he would say, well, you need to like sell all that you have and follow me. Or, or let the dead bury their dead. And you, you follow me. Or pick up your cross and follow me, right? Like, like this was his continued um, uh, refrain to people as they asked, what do I do to get into the kingdom? He says, well, follow me. But the reality is, Jesus is offering the kingdom in you. Before he's saying, come get into the kingdom, right? Before he's saying, come and make it your, your home in the kingdom. He says, I want to put the kingdom in you. In fact, in John 3, 3 and 4, before the famous passage of John three sixteen, he's having a conversation with, with a man named Nicodemus and he's telling him, you need to have the spirit of God before you can be in the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus is proclaiming here to the people who are listening is the kingdom is at hand. In Jesus, the kingdom is at hand in what he's doing right there, his work on earth. As they watch his life from this point forward, as we read, Mark, even from this point forward, it will be less of the proclaiming and more of the doing. It's going to be the miracles of God and it's going to be um, his actions lived out. It's going to be him talking about the parables of the kingdom of God and teaching people what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. And so what he's saying is here now in the flesh in front of you, the kingdom is now here, but one day, and we live in the one day, one day the spirit will be in you. The kingdom of God won't just be around you and in front of you. The kingdom of God will be in you. And so the promise is the kingdom of God is in you and it's transforming you. This is the promise of the kingdom of God. It will transform you from the inside outwards. So the characteristics of the king is growing in us. The characteristics of the kingdom are are growing in us generosity and love and compassion and hope and grace and justice and peace. These are good things. We want to feel those things towards the world that we live in so that we can then bring the kingdom there. And so to the answer, how do I get into the kingdom or how does the kingdom get into me? Jesus responds, repent and believe. Repent and believe. So for a minute, let's look at those two words. Repent. We've talked about this word before. It's turning back. Turning back to where you were already coming from, but it's turning away from something. And if we're turning away from something, we're turning towards something. What we're turning towards is belief. So repent is turning away, turning towards Belief. As we turn towards belief, uh, it requires an action. Belief is not just an intellectual thing. This is a trust in the story. It denotes an action, returning to unity with God together in community, returning to this unity with God, asking us to trust the story, which is the kingdom of heaven is in you doing something, so when the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of God collide, and they fight, we're saying belief is trusting the story, the way of the king, the way of the king, the way of his kingdom. This is how he's called us to live this out. And these are two words uh, that, uh, as they show up, um, they're not in their, what we maybe would call, you know, uh studying of the Greek literature here. They're, They're called twin imperatives, which doesn't mean a whole lot other than, they're not in their final form, which means it doesn't end. That's not the end of it. It's not one repentance, one belief. In fact, the way that it talks about these two things is an ongoing process. It's continue to repent, continue to believe. It goes on and on. As the kingdom works in our life, it's continue to repent, continue to believe. And so as these kingdoms clash or collide, we then go, what is it that the kingdom of God is doing? Repent and believe and what he's doing Uh, through trusting the story in him and through what he's bringing us through. So, God's getting the kingdom into us. Rather than getting us out of the kingdom of earth, he's getting the kingdom into us. And so what if salvation and preaching the gospel to our neighbors, to our friends, is not getting people saved and waiting for the second coming, But what if it's getting the kingdom into them, getting the kingdom into us so that transforms our life and then we live here as heaven on earth now in this space? And I think that's the reality of what God is doing and what Jesus is trying to explain to us here is it's not just the waiting for one day, but that we get to experience the kingdom of God here now in this space and its benefits in our life internally and then externally. So we don't just get the kingdom, we want to give the kingdom. And the kingdom is, comes out through us as we participate in what Jesus is doing. As we see God working and we join him in his kingdom, this is how we see the kingdom grow. When Jesus sent out his 12 to proclaim the good news, which is the kingdom of God is here, right? When Jesus sent out his 12 to proclaim the good news, they preached the kingdom of God is here. And then they healed people and they cast out demons, and they worked against injustice. This is what they did as they proclaimed the gospel. They did the work of the kingdom. They brought the kingdom into these other areas of the world, and it's breaking out in the world everywhere that people act like Jesus. Everywhere followers of Jesus begin to behave like Jesus, then you begin to see the kingdom of God breaking out in those spaces, and it's coming to the rest of the world. Sounds a little bit like, as I have loved you, go and love others. As you experience the love of God, the kingdom of God, go and share that with others. Others experience the love and the kingdom of God. And it starts with his kingdom beginning to rule in our heart. So it's repent and believe. And then his kingdom is extended into the lives and the hearts and the world through our actions, and through our prayer. That's the kingdom of God at work in us. And so here's what I want us to do as our practice today and then this week. So if you're still with me, the waterfall is soothing, isn't it? It's like, ah, oh, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be a good touch for this part portion of our, our time together. Okay, so here, receiving the kingdom. I want to practice this right now. Not that you don't already have the kingdom, but it's that ongoing practice of uniting with the king and understanding that this kingdom is growing in us. So receiving the kingdom, here's the question. How is the kingdom of God wanting to take shape in your life? I, I wrestled with how to word this question here because I didn't want it just to be, how is the kingdom of God impacting your life? And it's like this big, like, heady question of like my whole life? Like I got to think about all the parts? Like that's a lot, right? So I want to narrow that down, but it's not just the kingdom of God is in you, it's shaping you. So how is the kingdom of God wanting to take shape in a specific area of your life? This is the contemplative question for us this morning. I want to give us a minute to sit with it. Let the question roll around in our mind. Something might come to you, a situation you're working through, a relationship that you're um, uh, deliberating over, a decision you have in your life? How is the kingdom of God breaking in and shaping your life? So let's do that. Give us a minute here. Let's sit with the question. And then if it comes to you, I want you to practice doing what Jesus said. Repent and believe. Turn and believe that his kingdom is better, that his story is true, that he's bringing about unity in him and in this world. So I'll stop talking. So this is, for us, like an individual part. God, what is your kingdom doing in me? How is it taking shape or shaping my life, my heart right now? But then there's this giving it out. And this is also corporate for us. It's not just an individual kingdom, one person in each seat kind of around the room here. This is us as a church. We are receiving the kingdom of God. It's shaping us. It's bringing us into unity. And then we also respond in this, giving the kingdom out. And so here's the second kind of practice for us, because I don't want to just sit with, how is it going to affect me? I want this to then turn outwards towards others. And so here's a question for us to, to ask ourselves daily as we go through this week. Respond to people and their need today. Which means we have to see the need but the, the practice is to people and their need today listen 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 to their needs listen to the spirit listen and then respond in love what is the loving kingdom action that they need today So I want us to practice this week, not just individually, but with our community, corporately here together. It's an opportunity for us to uh, share what God's doing, but an opportunity for us, if you're in a small group or in a community group of some sort, to be asking this question together, what are the needs that we see? Let's listen and then respond in love. The idea here is that this goes not just not just individually, but corporately for all of us. I'll ask the worship team to come back up for us as we, we transition into some more um, response and song as to what God's doing in our heart and our life this morning. But even as we sing, let's continue this question. God, what are you doing? What is the kingdom doing breaking into my life and giving shape to me this morning? And then repent and believe. God, we do, we pray that this is a space that we're entering in with you this morning. As we've been in this uh, together, as we've been in this already, your scripture and your word and your spirit speaking to us, God, we continue to worship and sing your praises back to you. We proclaim the truth that's in the words, that's on the screen in front of us here, but God, show us this morning, this kingdom that you're wanting to break into our life and then go out into this world. God, we want to be part of this uniting kingdom of heaven and earth together once again. So we offer these things to you. Pray them in your name. Amen.
1: I oh,
2: This is our surrender, this is our surrender, here is where we lay it down, you are all we're chasing now, this is our surrender.
3: isn't just now, right? This is something we take with us. We continue to respond to this. As Eric has said, then this becomes part of our prayer through the week. Where can we make room? Where do you want to work your kingdom out in us, Lord? One of the ways we do that when we gather is we recognize God's care for our life and his desire for the kingdom. So for those of you who are part of this regular gathering, this is where you get to give back to the Lord out of all he's given to you. And to equip the mission of our church and the church. If you're new with us, you're welcome to give, but there's not a requirement. We're just grateful you're here. So we're going to get ready for the next step. If you want to give online, there's ways to do that through the church app. There's boxes in the back. There's all kinds of ways to give to the mission of the church. So I encourage you to be a part of that. It's such a gift to get to do that. And now as we get ready to step into the week, we want to empower that. So, as you're doing that, you might stay in a matter of prayer, but I'm going to encourage you to stand, and we're going to declare the kingdom of God for the week ahead of us. We need to step into this together. So I invite you to stand. Let's sing.
4: and firm foundation our rock the only solid ground the nations rise and fall kingdoms once strong now shaken we trust forever in your name the name of jesus We trust the name of jesus you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious unmatched in all your wisdom And justice you will reign, and every knee will bow. emailing our expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name.
3: I know you're eager to get going and doing the kingdom.
4: Come on. It's okay. It's okay, Zeke. Come on. Come on. It's all
3: right. But before you go, Zeke's got a few things to help you know how to do that as a church body this week. So hang on just a second.
5: All right. Thank you. And so excited, yes, for what's coming up this next week and even further into the month. First thing is, woman's Getaway. We're really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Today is the last day to sign up. So if you are going... Sign up, by today, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You don't want to miss out. It's going to be next weekend, and all the details are through Church Center and the website and all that kind of stuff. Edge 45 is tonight, so if you have any 4th or 5th graders, tonight you want to come for some FFF, and that is food, fall, and fun, is what Joe Bear has uh, claimed, and I don't think she's going to disappoint, so you guys are definitely going to want to be there for that. Next thing is going to be Fridays for the Fellas, and that is going to be this Friday on October 29th. And if you want more details on where it's going to be at and what's going to all going to be happening, you don't want to text that number, so maybe take out your phones, take a picture of it. Text that number. They'll let you know everything that's going on there. And, yeah, so that's going to be a good time for just guys to get together. I think they're going to be playing games and eating nachos or whatever. I don't know if there's going to be nachos or not. I think that might, that might be false information, so no promises there. <laughs> <laughs> lastly, if, for those of us that will be here next Sunday, who, you know, while the women are getting away and retreating, we are going to be practicing communion as a meal again. And I know that's something that we've talked about here. and We even did on our, like, our beach day. We went to Dillon Beach, and it was just a really cool experience. And so, next Sunday morning, come hungry, and we're going to go ahead and just have a meal together and just live in communion with that. So, with that, have a great week, and... Stick around
3: for a minute and enjoy each other, too. Yeah. Don't just run in the rain.
5: Exactly. (laughs) Don't run in the rain. You'll slip.
3: (laughs) Be blessed. Go in his name.